What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On today's episode, we've got our conference finals update. My top five takeaways from this year's crazy draft lottery. And having been hit with a minimum two-year ban from the NBA, I'm going to look at the career and ultimate downfall of Tyreek Evans. All that and more, let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Around the Arc. I'm Jamie. Very happy to have you here today. And I'm going to just start off with a little update of what's going on in the conference finals right now. So if you're not if you're not fully caught up yet, now's your chance. So Golden State completed their sweep of the Portland Trailblazers in the in the Western Conference Finals, and they did that without their superstar Kevin Durant. So this was kind of a flashback to the 73-win Warriors uh, from a few years ago, where Steph Curry just morphed back into his MVP self. Clay Thompson was still Clay Thompson. I mean, you know what you're going to get from him. And Draymond Green is maybe arguably the biggest storyline for the Warriors, as he is in the midst of playing some of the best basketball of his entire career, not just not just the season. Now, for Portland, obviously a disappointing way to end their season being swept just like last year um, to the same to the same Golden State team. But a really, really impressive season overall for this Blazers squad. Now I think next week I'll, uh, I'll I'll do a segment on this on this Blazers team and kind of see what their future looks like and if they can kind of take the next step going forward to become, you know, real contenders and kind of put themselves in the conversation with the with the Golden States and the Houstons of the world. Moving over to the East, where Toronto are still trailing 2-1 in their conference finals matchup with the Bucks. Um with game four coming up tonight. I know I know it's um I know it's happened for you guys now, but time of this recording it's still 2-1. Um, after do- after dominating the first two games in Milwaukee, uh, the Bucks were firmly in control of the series, but Toronto, their job's now half done. They're halfway to knotting this series up at two games apiece and then turning this into a best-of-three affair. I mean, Kawhi, he's been, us- he's been doing his usual Kawhi things. Um, like in game three, he put up 
36 points, 9 boards, 5 assists. And that was all after injuring his leg in the first half. I think it was his leg. And not only that, he played a major hand in holding Yanis Antetokounmpo to just 12 points. And he did end up fouling out in the in the second overtime of Game 3 as well. And it was largely because of Leonard's play that I had picked Toronto to win this series and advance to the to the finals and while it certainly does look less likely at this stage i'm gonna stick i'm gonna stick with my initial prediction and say toronto are gonna are gonna make the finals so there you go that's your that's your quick playoff update so now we've got that out of the way let's get into the rest of the episode all right prediction time now i know today's prediction might seem a little bit random but Hopefully it might become a little more clear after after the next topic. I think with the with the NBA having brought out this new lottery system that I'm gonna talk about in a second, they're showing they're clearly willing to make bold moves and bold changes, um, you know, to the rules and the and the kind of structure of the NBA. So obviously this lottery lottery change was to discourage tanking. So with the, with the NBA showing they're not afraid to make big changes, I'm predicting that the league will shorten the regular season from 82 games to 66 games, and that will happen within the next five years. Alright, moving on to the NBA draft lottery. So last week, it was the, it was the draft lottery. And that was the first chance that we all got to witness the NBA's new lottery system, as I just as I just mentioned. Now, say what you want about the new rules, the new structure, and I mean, I'll 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 get into that for those of you that don't really know how it works. I'll get into it in a second. Say what you want about the new lottery system, but it certainly made for plenty of tension, drama, and kind of surprises. <laughs> um. So as the as the dust begins to settle and the, each team comes to grips with, you know, with the picks they've got and the situations they find themselves in, both good and bad, I feel like this is a good time to to have a look at some of the biggest talking points from this year's lottery. Uh, so I'm just going to go through my top five takeaways from from this year's draft. The first of which being that the new lottery system is a bit of a mixed bag. So, as I've already mentioned, the NBA changed its draft lottery system this year. And the reason they did this was to try and discourage tanking or intentional losing by teams. I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain it. I won't dive too far into all the probabilities and all the, all the, all the numbers, but I'll give you a brief overview of how it works. So, in the past, the worst team in the league the team with the worst record, would have a 25% chance at obtaining the number one pick. The second team would have, I think, a 19.9% chance, and so on and so on. And um, as you go down the list, the odds are less and less, and there's there's a fair gap between, between each team. Now, the three teams with the worst records, they each have a 14% chance of obtaining the top pick, and then 
every lottery team, their odds are a lot closer together than they were in the past, if that makes sense. So instead of going from 25 to 19 to 15 and so on, is going 14, 14, 14, and then 12, 10. So lots, lots smaller gaps in between, in between each pick. Now, on paper, this does discourage tanking, but it's not as it's not as clear as that it also this way this way of doing things it also has the potential to completely screw over teams that are just bad you know teams that aren't necessarily trying to tank they just suck so teams like the suns and the bulls last year for example another another thing another wrinkle to throw into this new lottery system is it may also encourage teams to intentionally drop out of the playoff race later on in the season. You know, if you've got teams fighting for the eighth seed, instead of trying to get the eighth seed and get into the playoffs, it would actually greatly help their lottery odds to drop out of the playoffs a lot more so than it did in years past anyway. But all that being said, this is just the first year of the new lottery system. And... um, it certainly provided plenty of drama and controversy, but I think we'll need to see how it plays out over the next few seasons before we before we come to kind of a permanent decision about it. Which brings us to takeaway number two, which is that tanking is not the way. I think I think if the if this year's draft lottery has can teach us anything, it's that actively trying to lose or tanking is not it may not be the best strategy anymore. Now, I know I just said that the new lottery system is a bit of a mixed bag, but I think teams should still take this as a warning against tanking, since it's clear that Adam Silver and the rest of the league, they are looking to get rid of it. And like I said in my bold prediction, the NBA, they're, they're showing that they are willing to make big changes to the way the league works. So I would still, if, I, if I'm running a franchise right now, I'm still taking this as kind of a, a warning against tanking. Now, teams like the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Hawks, they were in tank mode all year, right? And they, each of those teams, they fell out of the top four in the lottery. And then you have teams like the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, neither of whom were tanking all year, and they both jumped to the picks one and two, respectively. In the case of the Pelicans, you know, they, they didn't intend to tank until later on in the season after the All-Star break when, you know, Anthony Davis came out and requested a trade and all that was going on. And then in Memphis's case, they were in the playoff hunt for a lot of the season, especially earlier in the year. And then even when they fell out of the race, they still competed and they at least tried to be a respectable team. And what happens to them? They land the number two pick. So, what does this what does this prove, though? I think since you can't since you can't rely on just losing more games than everyone else now, I think teams will need to become better and pay more attention to the other little things that contribute to winning. So, I think there's there's going to be more of an emphasis on in season trades, scouting, and actual draft selections, and also player signings and free agency. They all become more important to a team's overall levels of success, especially rebuilding teams who it's looking like they can't just rely on losing games anymore. 
But again, like like I said in the first takeaway, it is just the first year of the new of the new lottery system. So who knows? It might play out totally different next year. Moving on to takeaway number three. We're talking the Lakers and the fact that they have seemingly been given a way out of this mess that they currently find themselves in. So basically, since Christmas Day, which is when LeBron suffered that groin injury that caused him to miss over a month, since that day, the Lakers have had just a disastrous run, and that didn't stop after their season ended. You know, you had Magic's abrupt departure and then all the head coaching controversy. and But now, things do seem to be turning around. There does seem to be a path back to contention that has kind of presented itself before this team. And it's largely thanks to the, the lottery, as I'll get into. But just to quickly touch on their head coaching situation after totally fumbling the the Tai Lu head coaching hire LA they did manage to recover they and they've now hired Frank Vogel as their new head coach although although he wasn't at the top of their list i mean he wouldn't have been at the top of top of my list either he is still a proven defensive minded coach who already has the respect of LeBron James. And that certainly counts for something. And then also bringing in Jason Kidd as an assistant coach, I think that was a great move as well. So that those were the first couple of steps down this path back to respectability. And now, thanks to the lottery, the Lakers have landed the fourth overall pick in the draft. And this might just be the trade asset that they need to be able to outbid everyone else for Anthony Davis, especially since Boston's assets have dropped in value. So going from something like the 11th pick, which is what they were expected to to be around, going from that to the fourth pick might just be enough to turn the Lakers' fortunes around and help them right this ship. They've definitely been... They've been given better cards now. We just gotta we gotta see how they how they deal with them, how they play with them. And I feel like I can't mention the Lakers in their offseason without talking about the AD trade drama, the Anthony Davis trade drama. So that's my fourth takeaway from the draft lottery. It's that the Anthony Davis trade drama is increasing and will only continue to do so. So when Davis first requested a trade before the before the trade deadline last season, there were three main teams that were kind of in talk in talks with the Pelicans trying to land trying to land AD. Now of course another team could just come in out of nowhere and 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 snatch Davis up, but this thing still looks to be between the Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks, and now the Pelicans as well since their new GM David Griffin seems to be trying to get AD to stay. So after the draft lottery, the Knicks' chances did take a bit of a hit, basically because they didn't land the number one pick. I don't think New Orleans would accept an offer like the the third pick that New York does have, plus a guy like Mitchell Robinson. I mean, New York does have, they do have guys like Alonzo Trier and Kevin Knox as well, but I don't know how much of their young core they'd be willing to give up to get AD. 
especially because the Knicks, they're, they're likely going to be focused more on free agency this summer anyway, since they've got room for not just one, but two max players. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they focus more on that anyway. Um, the Celtics, as I mentioned, they've also taken a hit in the in the AD sweepstakes since a lot of their draft picks are now proving to be less valuable than they once thought. Plus, guys like Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, they've seen their trade value drop compared to where it was, say, at the start of this season or at the at the end of last season after their miracle playoff run. Uh, I think the Pelicans, their chances of keeping Anthony Davis have gone up. I think they they increased a little bit when they when they brought in David Griffin as their new GM, since he's a a proven guy. You know, he helped construct the the title winning team in Cleveland uh, in 2016, and I think the Pel's chances increased even more when they got the number one pick when they won the Zion sweepstakes. However. If the rumors are to be are to be believed, Davis still wants out of there. He still is looking for for a new team. So while their chances have increased, I still don't think it's very likely that we see Anthony Davis return to New Orleans next season. Which leaves us with the Lakers, who can now offer the fourth pick as well as some some of their young assets, um, just like they were they were allegedly doing at the trade deadline. But for them, I think at this stage, it just depends how the Pelicans feel about the Lakers' young guys like Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. Or it might matter now how concerned they are about the, about the health of Brandon Ingram, you know, with his, with his blood clot uh, issue that he dealt with uh, at the end of last season. Um, another option for LA, though, would be to actually trade Lonzo Ball to a team like the Bulls. I saw this saw this trade proposal I think in Bleacher Report. Um, they could trade Lonzo in exchange for the Bulls' seventh pick and Chris Dunn. So that would give them another draft pick and even more assets in a potential blockbuster AD deal. <laughs> so to sum up, the draft lottery has been good for the Pelicans, good for the Lakers but bad for the Celtics and bad for the Knicks in terms of in terms of the the Anthony Davis trade drama anyway and now we arrive at my final takeaway from this year's draft lottery and that is about the Memphis Grizzlies a team that doesn't get talked about a lot and the fact that they're kind of set for the future their their future's looking really good now um, I mean, it was certainly a surprise to see them land the number two pick, but that is a, that is a big move. That is a big deal for the franchise. This could essentially be a franchise-altering move, um, depending on on who they pick. I mean, Memphis they do they have Jaron Jackson Jr., who was a rookie last year. He had a terrific rookie season, and he did show flashes of becoming a star on both ends of the court. You know, he was phenomenal defensively as well. And now with the second pick, it's looking like the team is going to take Jamarant, the point guard, and that would create a heck of a scary duo for for years to come. Essentially, they could turn into the new Mike Conley, Mark Gasol pairing for the Grizzlies, you know, from the from the grit and grind era. 
Um, and they still they still have uh, Mike Conley, you know, the veteran point guard and fan favorite there. And now Memphis, assuming they take Jamarant, which seems everything seems to point to that. It means they have some flexibility now with with Conley, who could he could be traded before the season starts for some pretty decent young assets in return, or alternatively, they could hang on to Conley for now until at least the trade deadline, and then what he could serve as a leader for this young team, and most importantly, I think he could be a terrific mentor to a guy like to a guy like Jamarant. So the Grizzlies are set now. They've got some they've got some flexibility. They've got some nice young pieces already on their roster and then that uh, that number 2 draft pick only only help things only helps things even more. So we'll have to see what they do with Mike Conley. I know team there are going to be lots of teams interested in his services, you know, teams like Phoenix or possibly Chicago or Indiana is another team. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens with him if he's made available. Either way, with Jamarant, Jaron Jackson Jr., that is one of the better foundations you can hope to build around. So Draft Lottery has definitely been a win for the Grizzlies so far. So there we go. Let me know let me know what you think of the new draft lottery system. And what are what are your biggest takeaways from this year's lottery? Let me know. Hop on Twitter, catch me at Around the Arc Pod. Um, and like like with every year with the draft lottery, there are teams that emerge disappointed. There are teams that emerge surprised. But I think this year proved to be more unpredictable than kind of any year in the past. And with with the way that the lottery system works now, I don't think it's not it's not crazy to assume that this could just be the new norm going forward. Which you know it may be slightly frustrating for the teams with all the uncertainty, but I think just as as an NBA fan, it's going to be exciting to see how the draft lottery plays out in the future, especially with all this unpredictability and uncertainty surrounding it now. All right, it's stat time. I'll hit you with a little draft lottery stat this week. So the Lakers, they had over a 90% chance of winding up with the 11th pick or worse, yet they wind up with the fourth pick. Is that just the new lottery system working its magic? Or is the NBA rigged? Controversial take. Let me know what you think. All right, moving on. So for our final topic today, I wanted to talk a little bit about Tyreek Evans. Now, in case you haven't heard, um, sad story uh, came out a couple days ago, basically saying Tyreek Evans has been banned from the NBA for a minimum of two years for violating the league's anti-drug policy. Now, in case you don't remember, this is a similar similar situation as what happened with OJ Mayo back in 2016, where he too received a two-year ban, and he's yet to be reinstated. So um, the way things are looking right now, this could legitimately be the end of Tyreek Evans' NBA career. 
So with that in mind, I just wanted to to kind of go through uh, this guy's career because he's had a pretty a pretty eventful wild career. You know, very lots of stuff has happened. Has been a real roller coaster ride over his. I think has it been nine seasons in the league. Very eventful and ultimately disappointing. So I'm going to take you through the ups and the downs of the career of Tyreek Evans. So starting back in 2009, when Evans was taken with the fourth pick of the draft, and little note on that 2009 draft class, it turned out to be one of the better classes in recent memory, with guys like Steph Curry, James Harden, and Blake Griffin all taken in the top seven. But it wasn't them that stole the show early on. It was Tyreek who came out of the gate the quickest. He absolutely exploded onto the NBA scene and had a rookie season that's comparable to guys like LeBron, Michael Jordan, Oscar Robertson, and now after this year, Luka Doncic, as these are the only rookies in NBA history to average 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists for the entire season. And at six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds, Evans, he was an overpowering force at the point guard position. Yes, he was he was a point guard when he came into the into the league. His his relentlessness attacking the rim, his ability in the open court, as well as his passing and court vision, that helped him draw comparisons to guys like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in his first couple of seasons, and that's crazy to think but he his play style actually mirrored both of those guys in in certain ways crazy to think about however injuries would slow him down a bit in year two along with a lack of development with his outside jump shot which was a problem for him coming into the league and this was the beginning of his first decline so, as Sacramento, they continued to bring in more young players. As this happened, uh, Evans' usage rate and his overall effectiveness and productivity, they continually decreased over the over the next few seasons. You know, and the, the Kings, they brought in guys like Isaiah Thomas, who started to get to get more opportunities. But um, Tyreek, he did he did add a semi respectable three point shot in his fourth season but by this time his usage rate was at its lowest point it had been in his first four seasons and he had also by this point been moved out of position so he was being forced to play at the at the two guard and at the small forward position which he can do he's, he's being a very versatile player but his primary position and his best position was the point guard spot so with this reality kind of settling in, it kind of became clear that Tyreek, he needed a change of scenery. He needed a new team. And that would happen. In the in the summer of 2014, Tyreek would be traded to the New Orleans Pelicans, where he would get off to a slow start as he was needing to adjust to a sixth-man role, which he had never really uh, been accustomed to in his kind of entire basketball career. But he did have an incredible end to the into the twenty fourteen into the twenty thirteen fourteen season, sorry. Um in which he regained a lot of the form that he showcased in his first year. 
I think over the final 20, 25 games of the year, he put up around 20 points, five and a half rebounds, and six and a half assists on about 50% from the field. So after that strong finish to his first year in New Orleans, Evans became the team's starting point guard going forward, with Drew Holiday moving over to the two to play more off the ball. Now, this move paid off, not just for Tyreek, who put together his second-best full season in the 2014-15 campaign. He put his sec- put in his second-best season, averaging over 16 points, five rebounds, and over six and a half assists per game. But it, was all- it also proved to be a great move for the Pelicans, who actually made the playoffs that year for the first time in the, in the Anthony Davis era. So Evans was looking to carry this momentum into year three with the Pels, where he honestly seemed destined for a breakout and to kind of finally reach that all-star potential that he'd shown flashes of his entire career. But then he needed knee surgery, which would cause him to miss the first couple of months of the the 2015-16 NBA season. And then after only 25 games... After he came back, he would need surgery on the same knee again, which would cause him to miss the rest of the year. Now, when he, when he came back the following season, he just he was not the same player. And New Orleans actually traded him partway through the year back to Sacramento, where he started his career. Now, after a very short and uneventful second stint in Sacramento... Evans signed with with Memphis before the start of the 2017-18 season where he would actually go on to have a very impressive bounce back year and arguably his best year ever. I mean his box score numbers they were very similar to his rookie year you know where he put up 19 points five boards five assists but what made this year different was he finally added a lethal three-point shot to his arsenal where he connected on almost 40 percent of his triple tries on over five attempts per game so he became a volume three-point shooter as well evans he was actually so good for memphis that year they actually had to stop playing him because they were trying to tank and because of this almost everyone thought that he would be traded to a contending team before the deadline but nothing happened and he basically was benched for the rest of the season. Now, although that was a disappointing end to the year, it was still a fantastic bounce-back season for Evans. And one thing to note, what did this season have in common with Evans' other really good seasons? He was playing mainly at the point guard position with the ball in his hands. I think that was a that was a theme throughout Tyreek's whole career. When he was the guy when he was the lead guard when he had the ball in his hands he was productive when he was forced to play at the two guard at the small forward position when he was forced to play away from the ball more he was less productive so that's just something to note a kind of trend from his career but back to back to back to his story though so with the memory of his breakout year still fresh in the team's mind the indiana pacers took a chance on Tyreek and signed him to a one-year $12 million deal. Now, on paper, he looked to be the offensive piece that the Pacers needed to kind of take the next step as a team in the Eastern Conference. But, unfortunately, 
Evans regressed last season and had arguably the worst year of his career. So he went from the best year of his career to arguably the worst. His outside stroke, his three-point shot was still respectable. He nailed about 35-36%. But it seemed like every other part of his game just completely fell off. You know, he'd always been a fantastic and creative finisher around the rim. He couldn't he couldn't finish layups anymore. Um he didn't he wasn't as aggressive. He wasn't as good making plays for his teammates, and as a result, his box score numbers dropped off and his minutes fell off a cliff as well, and he just wasn't the same the same guy as he was in Memphis. On the plus side though, he did make it into the playoffs which was just his second playoff appearance of his career. But overall, it was a very a very disappointing season for him. And that brings us to today, where Evans has now been hit with a minimum two-year ban for the NBA, like I said, for violating their anti-drug policy. And like I said, with what happened to OJ Mayo a few years ago, you know, he got hit with the same suspension. The fact that he himself has yet to be reinstated into the league, I don't think that bodes well for Tyreek, especially since he's about to, you know, uh, get into his 30s. And with the, with the decline he showed last year, I think the chances, the chances of him making a return to the NBA seems slim to none at this point. Which is a shame because at his at his peak he was he was a phenomenal player, borderline all star when he's playing at his best. And it was really, really fun player to watch as well. Kind of very crafty, unique style of play. But you never know. I mean in in two years he might He'll become eligible for a comeback, so you never know. All it takes is is one team to to just take a chance on him. So we'll see if anything like that happens in the future. But uh, for now, it is looking like this is the end for Tyreek, to put it to put it dramatically. And with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. It means a lot, like I've mentioned. Find me on Twitter at AroundTheArcPod. Um, find me also at SirCharlesInCharge.com. That's where you can also find all the, all the posts related to this podcast. They're all up on there. And other than that, guys... Like I always say, if you're if you're enjoying the show, a little five star review will go a long way to helping us out. I hope you enjoyed the episode this week, and I will see you back here next week once again for more NBA stuff.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.